0: People always ask how I balance my family life with 400 shows a year. I'm just doing what I love with the people I love. It's my magic life.
1: I like Wes Eisley. I like everything about
0: him. All right. Today's guest is a comedian, a magician, and a juggler. He was on Last Comic Standing, Showtime at the Apollo, HBO's Deaf Comedy Jam. He was a regular at the Legendary Comedy Store, and much more. He was also voted DC's Funniest Comedian by Washington Magazine. Everybody, it's Kevin Lee. Woo! What's up, buddy? How are you?
1: Hey, I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here.
0: Dude, I'm I'm excited about this. This is awesome. Um,
1: you know, I, I used to, uh, real quickly, I used to not really brag about the voted DC's Funniest Comedian thing. Because I was like, ah, right, D.C., but now D.C. has come into its own as one of the meccas of comedy. I mean, you think about some of the hottest acts in comedy, and they all come out of Washington, D.C. area. Uh, Wanda Sykes, Dave Chappelle, Martin Lawrence, um, Tommy Davidson.
0: Wow, I didn't uh, know that. Wow.
1: Yeah, Earthquake, who just had a Netflix special out right now. Um, Pierre, who's done movies with Halle Berry. I mean, the whole list goes on. I just bore you to death of all the acts out of DC that that went on to have some really, really amazing careers. So, yeah, um, DC is known for, is starting to get recognized for its talent. But, yeah, Dave Chappelle's from, you know, who's the king of comedy right now, is from DC,
0: yeah. Wow, for, for wow.
1: Sykes and Martin Lawrence, yeah. And- I didn't know
0: any of that. So you're not gonna you're not gonna bore me with names, man. So I am a magic fiend, magic freak. I love magic, but I've grown up all my life loving comedy. My dad owned a video store, and at nine years old, I was watching uh, Eddie Murphy Raw, Eddie Murphy Delirious, Robin Williams specials, um, old VHS tapes. So I mean, that's what I would do as a babysitter. I would pop in old VHS of these stand up shows. Old Saturday Night Live bits. So when you're naming these people, it's just bringing me back, man. I'm loving it. Um yeah, cool. I thought they were more from the Baltimore area, not the D.C. area. So that's what surprised me. I was like, whoa, that's cool. That's awesome,
1: yeah. man. The only really, really big-name comic out of Baltimore would be Monique. Uh, comedian Monique is out of Baltimore. But no, uh, Martin's from uh, PG County, Maryland. And... Um, Wanda Sykes uh, was born and raised in Virginia, actually, uh, down in the Hampton area, but she started a career in Washington, D.C. Uh, at the Comedy Cafe, um, along with Martin Lawrence, along with myself, along with a lot of the guys who come out of there, Tommy Davidson, who went on to be on In Living Color. Um, so, yeah, um, and then most of the guys out of D.C. who aren't super, 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 super famous are still... Making waves in the business, you know, like I mentioned, Pierre and, and uh, who, who's done some really good stuff in, in the movies and um, a lot of guys. I mean, you just can just go down a list of acts right now that are just doing really good that are all out of D.C. And you'll be amazed just to do, it's a lot. Matter of fact, as a matter of fact, I just did a de- documentary that I was asked to be a part of that, that was filmed by a filmmaker, and it's called The Mecca of Comedy. And it's about DC comedians. And I don't know where this project's going to air, but this guy is a movie maker, and he got all the comedians together. Uh, and I just spoke with him a few days ago. I said, what well, is this project going to drop?" He says, "We're waiting on Chappelle." So he's waiting on an interview with Chappelle because he just flew out to LA and filmed his segment with Wanda Sykes. And um, it's, so it's it's a big deal. Uh, yeah, wow, is, that's you know, really boy, neat. It's comedy, boy's it's, boy, it's comedy. Uh, uh, guys, you know, and, and women, of course.
0: Yeah. Well, when that drops, and you're going to be in it, you let me know, and I'll put it on all my social media and everything as well. So, once yes. you once you're on our I'll podcast, man, your family, we'll we'll out. support you and help, help you out any way we can. Appreciate it. Thank you. Um, so, are you you're in New York now? Because you were in California, D.C., California. Where are oh, you yeah. now? I'm born
1: and raised in the Washington D.C. area, you know, Maryland, and um, uh, started my career in Washington D.C. at the comedy clubs and things like that. Um Well, I started my career before that I was a magician and a street performer And a magician and, and all that stuff Before I got into the comedy clubs When I was basically 17 years old When I started working the comedy club circuit But, um, you know um All these years later <laughs> Yeah, so um But yeah, I've been to L.A. I lived in L.A. for a while And um, worked out there I was a warm-up back for uh, A couple of TV shows out there One you might know is uh, in the house, which uh, L.O. Cool J was uh, and Debbie Allen were the star of that show. Uh, I was a warm up comic for that sitcom. Um, I lived in L.A. for about think, four years on and off uh, back to D.C., then I moved up to New York about 12 years ago and
0: been a period since. How How was it being a warm up act? That's totally different, man. It's good work. I mean, it's great money. I think a lot of comedians
1: move out to L.A. to become celebrities or to get get TV shows. And they end up in this circuit doing the warm up stuff. And you never hear from them again. You know, you're like, what happened to this guy? What happened to Kevin Lee? Well, he's making $3,000 a week doing warm ups. That's what happened to him. So, you know, <laughs> so, awesome. yeah, you got to make a decision. Do you want to uh, become a starving comic until you become famous, or you want to do warm ups the rest of your life? So some guys just say, hey, I'm going to just do warm ups the rest of my life and go buy myself a house and put my kids through college. And there have been guys that have done that. Um, the most famous one would be, uh, I can't think of his name right now, just on the tip of my tongue, uh, the guy that uh, Bill Cosby uh, used to endorse way back in the day. And he went out to L.A., he had Cosby's endorsement. And I'm like, oh, this guy's gonna be a big star, man, and all this sort of stuff. And he went out to Louis Dix, comedian Louis Dix. He went out there, nobody ever heard from him ever, ever again, you know, what happened to Louis Dix? He got out there and got into that circuit of doing the audience warm-up thing. And it's big money, and the guy's making really really big money doing that on the site it's like the cruise ship circuit right a lot of comedians they left the comedy clubs and got on cruise ship hey what happened to joe blow joe blows on a cruise ship making uh you know 25 three thousand dollars a week doing cruises so he's like hey i'll see you guys when i retire you know so there's so many circuits out there so many things out there um and so many comedians that are successful and you look at the Dave Chappelle's of the world and Martin Lawrence and Seinfeld and all these guys, but everybody's not gonna be mega stars and everybody's not gonna be filthy, filthy rich, but there are so many guys, ladies and gentlemen out there who are making really good livings, uh, a really good living as, as stand up comics um, that aren't household names. You know, they're just, they're working these circuits, they're on the cruise ships, they're, they're torn acts, you know, they're out there traveling the world, you know.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, doing their thing. I mean, I've been all over the world. I've been other countries, I've been to Japan, I've been to Italy, I've been to Spain, I've been to Germany, uh, Iceland, uh, Sweden. Right. I've been all over the world performing, you know, uh, doing my comedy and my magic, you know, all over the world, you know, for years. I mean, I started performing professionally when I was 15. I'm 56 years old right now, you know. It's the only job I've ever had. I've never had a day job, I've never, Worked the ninety and five. I've been a professional entertainer since I was a teenager. You know, Uh, basically self employed, entrepreneur before that world was popular. You
0: know, <laughs> so so many people, uh, so many people ask us about being full time magicians, and they're afraid to cut the cord and do it. And you know, if you want to be a, a full time professional basketball player or football player, you might not get that, but you can still live in that world and make a good living. You can be an analyst. You can be. You can write for a magazine and, and write the. You know. Are predictive you know, and you and I can name magicians uh, who are making good livings, or making a good living, but they're not—they're not, they're not uh, Chris Angel, they're not David Copperfield, right.
1: but these guys are out here making a very, very good living in this in the industry of magic, and um, so, but and, they're not household names; they're just professional, good acts who. Or cut that cord and went out there and, and did their thing some of them on cruise ships and some of them in vegas
0: um and some of know, the household know. names we know have day jobs <laughs> that headline yeah. that headline conventions they have real jobs they yeah. they do magic on yeah. the side or I, I or or played. they're making less than us because they have to four wall their room so I've never played a magic convention i you know
1: i, I I never got into this thing when I was a kid, man. When I was a teenager, I used to get all the genie magazines and all that stuff. I used to work
0: uh, at a magic shop um, in Washington D.C. Which one? Part time. Uh, Al's magic shop. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, I worked in Al's magic shop uh, part time.
1: Was a brief stint there, but I was uh, Alcorn had me come in, and he put me behind the register. I was there every Saturday. So he said "You want to go back to register? I'll show you how to work it." So I get back there. He shows me how to open the register up and and count, take the money and everything. And and I'm ringing up magic tricks and stuff back there, you know. And um, but it was always this You know, I never went to a. Ma- I'm still to this day, I've never been to a magic convention. Wow. I've never been to a magic convention i never felt like I was part of, of that family. I was never felt like I was a magician. All my success came from the comedy club industry. When I started, I walked into a comedy club in 1983 and all, everything I've, I have to to this day comes from me calling myself a comedian, you know, and, and being in the comedy circuit, working comedy clubs. Then I got on the college circuit, not as a magician, but as a comic, you know, but I'm doing magic in my show. I'm doing juggling in my show. I never built myself as a juggler, I never built myself as a magician, I was always pushed as a comedian uh, that did those things, so um, so I get in these circuits, you know, and, um, and so I never really, always felt like an outsider to the, the world of magic, you know, and I, I got to this point where I was like, wow, I want to be known by my peers, I want to be known by other magicians, and I didn't think it would ever happen until social media became popular, and once social media became popular, I became friends with other magicians on social media, and then that's how I became. I started getting popular with other magicians because they would see me working, they see my posters and my flyers, and they go, "Who's this guy? He's everywhere!" You know, and they started doing their homework on me and whatever. And then that, you know, next thing I know, I'm friends with guys. Years ago, I was living in LA, and I flew into uh, New Orleans. It wasn't New Orleans; it was Biloxi, Mississippi to perform at a casino there. Um, beautiful casino. I heard it got torn down during, um, Katrina, but I was on a review show
0: and the headliner illusionist was the guy, Fred Becker. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And his his wife, (laughs) um, you know, Fred,
0: yeah. Fred and Bobby. Yeah. Fred and Bobby. Uh, now this was the original wife.
1: I mean, not the original wife, but his wife before, uh, one he has now. I okay. Like, I know, but yeah, I, I think I think Bobby wasn't. Uh, he was married to his first wife at the time, um, uh, so I've never met Bobby with yeah. But they're doing their show. And yeah, I'm in a review show with Fred and his and, and his wife. I forgot her name at the time, but I'm in a show. I'm in a show with Fred Becker for I think that, that show ran for six weeks straight. Wow. Uh, yeah, and um, we became buddies, you know, and we kind of lost contact because this was before social media. <laughs> you know, yeah, so then when Facebook comes along and gets popular, we re-
0: reacquainted each other, you know, and uh, uh, yeah, so uh, well, social media yeah. is how I found about you. I mean, I do 400 shows a year, and you know, people on the east coast have, I mean, on the west coast have no idea who I am because I do mainly the east coast, mm-hmm. and um, you know, because of social media, because of our podcast, because of winning full lust. I mean, I'm known around the world, and you know, I have listeners to this podcast right now in 46 different countries. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. So, thank God for all that connectivity. It it puts us all together.
1: And you know, it's, it's a great thing. I mean, I think coming from the old school and having having to have to learn about social media how to how to you know, because we started there was no social media. You know, there's right. no. We didn't have, when I started, there was no pagers. <laughs> you remember pagers? You know, I mean, there was nothing. I remember running up my mom's phone bill, making long distance calls to get gigs, you know? My mom would get a phone bill that was $400. Wow. $500 back in the eighties, you know? Oh goodness. And I'm gonna pay this phone bill, you know, calling Booker's long distance to get gigs. Now you got cell phones and nothing's long distance anymore, but you know, but yeah, it's so weird, man, how much the world's changed. And we've had to change with it, you know, uh, as far as now, we have to learn social media, learn about Twitter, learn about how to promote ourselves on Instagram or, or now TikTok's the hot thing, you know, so, but it all's working out, yeah. I'm starting to connect with a lot of magicians now. I'm happy about it. I didn't even think I can entertain magicians. I didn't think magicians would like what I brought to the table, because uh, I feel like I wasn't raised in the world of magic. I was raised in a comedy club since, uh, but... When magicians come see my show and I've lots of magicians that come out and see me when I'm at these comedy clubs, I'm in their towns, they come out and see my show and I'm always getting wonderful reviews from them and I'm always so flattered, you know, like, Oh, I'm glad you like the show, you know. Uh there was a guy, the illusionist. Remember that show, The Illusionist?
0: Yeah, the the movie? Uh no,
1: the illusionist the uh the, tour, the show that was
0: on Oh Twitter. yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, one of the uh acts from that, uh I can't think of his name right now, him and his wife Caught me in um, Boca Boca Raton, Florida. I was down there at the um, performing at the uh, Boca Black Box Theater, and him and his wife came out. They're from Virginia Beach, by the way, too. I think Uh, what's his name? Um, He performs in Virginia Beach. Can't think of his name right now. Um, I was with the Federo on stage. Real nice guy. But him and his wife came out and caught my show. They were down there with the illusion. The show the illusionist was performing in Miami. They came out on an off night, caught my show. And we hung out, and I went out and had dinner after the show. And, um, so we stay in touch on social media. But, yeah, so I get to meet a lot of magicians, you know. Um, and um, it's changing my thought on magicians. I used to didn't like magicians, can I be honest? <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's well, funny. Well, hey, well, the magicians can be a weird bunch, I tell you what. <laughs>
1: well, I went to a magic shop, and I used to see the worst of magicians. I used to, every Saturday in this magic shop, guys would come in, and they would spend all their money on magic as soon as these magicians they would stay there and talk for hours as soon as this guy would leave out the door all the other magicians would turn around and start talking about him
0: like a dog oh, <laughs> wow wow, wow. that's not good Taste tasted my mouth
1: all these years about magicians i'm like oh no these guys aren't you know they're so mean and rude because <laughs> i was a young kid i'm seeing this why, you know, just been hours laughing at this guy, and as soon as he walked the door, oh, Wayne Allen's an ass, you know. <laughs> just throw that name that. But uh, Wow, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, wow,
0: that's weird. You just laughed to joke with this guy for a whole hour. He's dropped a hundred bucks in the magic shop. As soon as he out the door, you start talking him out. Oh, so, that's crazy, man. horrible. Yeah. Well, and I mean... bad taste. That
1: gave me a bad taste yeah, and I'm out for uh, magicians for a long time. I so. can understand
0: that. There's there's definite clicks. I mean, I have friends now in Vegas, and I go to Vegas, and it, it's one of those towns where I have so many magician friends. I have to pick and choose who I hang out with that week because. And if yeah. you tell one of them that you're going to somebody else's house, well, why aren't you coming to see me? You know that guy's a turd. That guy, that <laughs> he's not cool. He's he's you know it's it's very clicky. There are clicks. But I'm so much of an outsider because I've just had my head down performing that I was kind of like it that in okay. high school, though. I fluttered between the jocks and the nerds and the, you know, the, the skateboarder kids and, you know, whatever. It didn't matter. I, I I was like a butterfly. I'm that way in magic, too. I try to go. I don't want to choose a side, man, because I love everybody. So
1: I think being an outsider is not a bad thing. Sometimes your ego gets involved and you want to be loved by your peers or known or be famous amongst your peers. And that's just all ego. And if you can control that, as long as you're making a good living at your craft, then you, you know, you're okay. But like I said, the ego sometimes get involved. And you want to be, oh, I want to be a star amongst magicians or, you know, whatever. I want to be a star in the magic world, you know. Uh, I don't know if being on the front page of a magazine, a magic magazine, puts more money in your pocket it probably doesn't so uh but that's just ego once again
0: well i can tell you um i've been on a couple covers and i have another one coming up it doesn't it doesn't bump your pay scale at all no it, it doesn't help it doesn't help but you know what it is great for your ego and it is great to have that as a a medal just like you know running a track meet in in high school it doesn't get you anything but you have that award on your ta- table I'm going to frame that next issue of that magic magazine that comes out with my face on the cover, but it doesn't, but it does, you know, cause how long can I do this? I, I was on an interview this morning on a talk show. I said, maybe I have 25, 30 more years. If I'm lucky, I'm just, I'm, I'm putting as many shows as I can and I'm doing as many reps as I can. Cause I was off for two years due to the pandemic and it sucked. I like being on the road. I like performing. Somebody told me I should charge triple the amount and work less. Cause I do 400 shows a year. Uh, no, that's not that's not what I want. I want to entertain as many audiences as I can. When yes. my wife had a show yesterday, and they wanted a Saturday at eight p.m., and another show wanted Saturday at eight p.m., they were already booked. And it's like, well, can the first show move theirs to six, and so we can? I want to do them all, Kevin. <laughs> I don't want to charge one more and do just one. You know. Yeah.
1: That means that, that means you you love what you do, and when you love what you do, you're going to be successful in most cases. I mean, and that's a good thing. I mean, yeah, a lot of guys do this for lots of reasons, but the main reason has to be your love for it.
0: Yeah. You know, or
1: you're just not going to have the endurance to 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 be able to survive. You know, you know, guys come up to me all the time they go, "How do you, how do you do this?" You know, because I'm constantly on the road. Uh and I, I know a lot of people I came up with they're they're old, uh, they start to look old. <laughs> um and they're burnt out, you know. And it it's a scary thing to see some of your colleagues you come up with that are burnt out and, and looking ten years older than they should and the business is taking a toll on them, you know uh i can't speak much for the magic industry because i've never really like i said made a living i don't believe in I'm, I'm a magician i gotta stop saying that because i'm a magician i do magic on stage but i don't feel like you know, i don't feel that like i actually go out and build myself as a magician and i'm an outsider you know like you said so um so i i but I'm a magician so I need to stop saying I'm not a magician but <laughs> I, what I'm the point I was making I don't feel like uh, it, uh, as far as the comedy industry and stand-up comedians it's a r- really really rough industry and it can take its toll on you the industry is nuts
0: <laughs> you know well I mean outside looking in I'm I'm vice versa of you you know I do some comedy magic but I'm not a comedian you know I wouldn't stand on stage and try to do a 15-minute set, uh, comedy only. I would have to have magic. But um, outside looking in in the comedy world, it looks like there's a lot of drug abuse and a lot of alcohol. Now, there may be in magic, too, but it seems like it's more rampant because you're at a nightclub. There's beer there. People want to have a drink before they go on, after they get off stage. So that's why they look 10 years older. I mean, just, you know, liver abuse alone.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they take a toll on you speaking of comedy magic and I think, um,
0: uh, Jonathan who just passed away to make yep. Jonathan, um, you know, um, I had, I had this conversation with Harry Anderson
1: a long time ago and Harry made a very good point, um, that a lot of comed- comedy magicians could not survive in the comedy club circuit, you know, like, because I'm not meaning they're not funny. what, what kills at a magic convention may not kill at a comedy club on a
0: Saturday night. Absolutely, right? You know, um, so somebody like uh, Poland Company, who are known as these great comedy magic actors that plays all the comedy conventions, yep. and it's hilarious. But that act's not
1: going to work well at a comedy club, right? You now, what what Jonathan did? work well at a comedy club you know um what uh Mike Hammer does in Vegas will work at a comedy club and Mike has his own show out in Vegas but his act will work at a comedy club you know but a lot of guys who call themselves I mean one of the funniest people I've ever seen in my life was Harry Blackstone Jr. (laughs) you know uh
0: was that intentional was was he he
1: Harry Blackstone Jr.
0: was he intentionally funny or was it accidental comedy
1: Oh no, he uh, did a uh, rope escape uh, in his act. And he brought up about six guys from the audience to have him, to tie him into a rope. And it's a rope escape. But it was hilarious. I mean, it was brilliantly funny. Wow. That's Uh, great. All the things Harry Anderson did on, I mean, Harry Anderson, all the things that Harry Blackstone Jr. did on stage. And here I was probably 16 years old when I caught his act um at the uh wolf trap theater in uh in northern virginia i uh, was at wolf trap and my stepdad got me tickets to go see Harry blackstone jr i had no idea who the hell Harry blackstone jr was so i show up to this theater and i have no idea who he is at this point i'm just 16 years old you know i'm new in magic and uh, he, he knew how much i loved magic so he got me tickets to go see Harry blackstone I know nothing about the history of Harry Blackstone. I know nothing about who he is. one only person I knew at that point was Mark Wilson, because I had the Mark Wilson Course of Magic, and, and I knew um, uh, Doug Henning, because at that time, Doug Henning was, you know, the man on TV before David Copperfield, right? So those were the magicians that I knew. I knew, the, uh, And, of course, Marshall Brodeen, because without Marshall Brodeen I wouldn't have a career, because his TV magic cards is what got me into magic. So, um, but yes, um... I go see harry blackstone ginger and he was absolutely amazing but what he did on stage the best part was when he brought people from the audience and did comedy magic and here's a guy who at that point had a, a live elephant on stage <laughs> right you know uh i believe there was a tiger in the show i remember him shooting his wife through the cannon into the nest of boxes. I mean, he had all the spectacular illusions and costumes and all the million dollar show. And I left the theater going,
0: the rope thing was the funniest thing I've ever seen. That's all I remember. Wow. Oh my goodness. And it just
1: proved my point <laughs> that, you know, you know, that is so entertaining that, um, that you can be in front of a crowd in a theater and absolutely, Kill them with a rope trick and in the back you got a freaking elephant yeah <laughs> you know right. waiting to be produced you
0: know <laughs> so uh, well I, kevin I we're, dra- we're driving we're driving around in an rv pulling a trailer with illusions in it and some of the best bits in our show i mean the thing i fooled penn and teller with was a half dollar and a piece of paper there uh, you go, man. i mean it's 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 crazy and those things take 30 minutes each to set up and you're like i mean gas prices and pulling a trailer and yeah, it's crazy. Can I tell you my pin & Teller story? Go for it. I'm a kid. I'm probably
1: a little over 16 years old, going on 17 years old. Uh, Maybe a little younger than that. I'm not quite sure. Maybe younger than that. and I'm, I'm a former. That, I don't know how I got this this gig. but I, I, Being booked was easy for me, man. I always ended up with work. I don't know why or how, but I came up in a great time where... You didn't have to struggle to get work. So I'm booked. Here I'm a young black kid, and I'm booked (laughs) at the Renaissance, Maryland Renaissance Festival, which is one of the biggest Renaissance festivals in in, in the world, from what I understand, back in the day. So I'm booked to perform at the Maryland Renaissance Festival as a street performer. Just walk around with my juggling clubs and do some juggling, and uh,
0: that was it. I have a little court jester outfit on. That's awesome. I go to... In my time
1: off, I'd I go over to the theater to see this, these, these two guys that are performing.
0: And it's Penn & Teller. Was it the uh, Penn & Teller or Asparagus Valley Cultural Society?
1: No, it was Penn & Teller.
0: Okay. okay, okay. Yeah, no, it was Penn & Teller. Yeah, <laughs> it was Penn & Teller. They had That's three a- at one point, and they were the Asparagus Valley Cultural Society when they were doing Renaissance festivals. Okay. Now, this is Penn
1: & Teller, uh, just those two. I remember he, uh remember it like it was yesterday and um um Finn did the uh, needles from the mouth and um and um no uh, no uh, teller did the, uh, the needles from the mouth and, and at that point I don't think Finn was doing any magic, he's just a juggler. Yeah. Uh, a straight juggler and he did juggling eating the apple and stuff like that. They're very entertaining. Uh but he was eating fire. And I asked, I asked him to teach me. He told me, get away from him. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So I went back to my dorm room. We were standing in uh, dorms. They had us standing in some dormitory uh, down. This is on the Maryland Eastern Shore. Uh, the festival was normally in Columbia, Maryland, every year. for some reason, they moved down to Maryland Eastern Shore this particular year. And that's the year I was on. So they had some of the entertainers standing in, in, uh, in the dorm at one of the local colleges down there. And I went back to my dorm room, and I was so upset. And I go, I'm going to teach myself to eat fire. And I taught myself to eat fire, and I've been eating fire in my show every night now for probably the last 30 years. In spite of pen.
0: Yes, and yeah, spite of pin, And it was probably... And, and, and the fire eating is, is, is my uh, finale of my show, so it's, it, it is... Uh, you know, yeah, it rocks. It rocks. So, uh, You know, I eat fire, but I'd be darned if I would have taught myself. Um, that that took some guts.
1: Yeah, it does take guts. So I was
0: determined. <laughs> ah, and that was pre-Google, so you didn't even know what you were doing. <laughs> no,
1: I didn't. I burned my... I, I, I actually ended up going to get some clothes. Remember back in the day, they said clotheslines? <laughs> yeah. Where you hang your clothes outside. So I went to a store... It was A and P grocery store, which is no, not around anymore. I don't think, but I went there and I bought some rope, and I that made the wick out of the rope. Put some lighter fluid, and I took a coat hanger, and uh, a wire coat hanger, and, and made my handle, and I, I tied the rope around it, and that was my fire eating stick. Whoa!
0: Wow. Now the
1: rope worked well, but then one day
0: it came untied. I some,
1: ro- <laughs> some rope, and they changed
0: the rope. Nylon was made out of uh, like a plastic stuff. Yep.
1: So when it burns, the plastic drips. So when I went to eat the fire, a piece of the plastic fell on my lip and Ah. I had a burn mark on my lip that went away after like maybe two years. Oh, gosh.
0: All right, so everyone listening right now, it's 100% cotton. Only use 100% cotton. Yeah. No blend varieties. It's dangerous. You will burn yourself. It will drip. It will hurt you. Yes, that's why you need a teacher for this. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Don't do it in your (laughs) dorm room by yourself. That's not not good.
1: Don't take the Kevin Lee route. (laughs) I taught taught myself basically everything right here in my hand right now. You can't see this guy's i just picked up my chainsaw off the floor here and i'm sitting at my desk and right next to my desk is my chainsaw i taught myself everything that i know basically um it was books uh at the library i went to the library and got books on magic um and nobody taught me anything i just taught myself basically i'm the most self-taught guy there is man i just taught myself everything sleight of hand i taught myself uh magic tricks, I taught myself how to juggle, I worked with a guy at at an amusement park uh, years ago, and we were a team, he did the juggling, I did the magic, and when we split up, I wanted to learn how to juggle, so I just started practicing, yeah, and um, so I'm self-taught on the juggling too, and and, uh,
0: this chainsaw right here, you know, I taught myself that, so. Yeah, yeah. Lee,
1: wow. I'm I'm self-taught, man, I didn't have a teacher, but I don't recommend you don't, you know, like like martial arts. If you want to learn martial arts, you go to a school to learn martial arts, you know? You don't just go get a karate book out the store and then go, okay, I'm going to kick somebody's butt in the street. No, you go to a school and, learn. you know, you learn. So I do recommend that. Uh, I wasn't fortunate to have uh, parents when I was young that had the money to put me in a school. Or, and we didn't have YouTube back in my day when I was, you know, 14 years old. It's so easy now. You have YouTube, you have uh, everything at your fingertips now. You should be the best magician on the planet at this point. (laughs) If you want to be, there's nothing stopping you with practice and and imagination because to all the young magicians out there that may be listening to this, trust me, you got it good.
0: (laughs) Well, you you also have to be a good performer. Um, There are very skilled, I don't know how deep you are in the magic world, if you even dip your toes in it at all and watch magic videos, but some of the highest skilled card workers, coin workers in the world are a bore to watch. They're amazing to magicians because they know the skill that's involved to accomplish what they're accomplishing, but they're not entertaining at all. Now this is some of them. Not all of them, but some of them. I agree 100%. and A lot of them are.
1: And that's why, you know, I think, um, (laughs) that's, that's what I have going for me is that, and I, am going to say this and you won't hear me say this often, but I suck as a juggler and I suck as a magician, but I am blessed with, of being a great entertainer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And And that's more important. It makes up for it because I'm such a good
1: entertainer on stage. It makes up for me being a mediocre juggler. It makes up for me being a mediocre magician because of the charisma and the gift of gab and all the other stuff that comes. Some things you can't buy, you know. You can't buy charisma. You can't buy being a good entertainer. It's just something that's natural, you know. I believe,
0: you know. But what's funny about juggling is, and I had a gig where I was able to do it the way you, I think you did it. You just picked up some clubs one night and you got the rhythm down and then you just put it in your show right away. You didn't think you were, a, if somebody hired you for a juggling gig alone, you'd probably turn it down, but you'd add it to your show for 10 minutes or three minutes in right. your show. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: That's that's the show. That's the proficiency level you were at. But the funny thing is, after doing it for 30 years, you've put your 10,000 hours in of juggling. You're a hell of a lot better juggler than most people that say they're jugglers. Because you do it every night. I
1: do it yeah, every night. Yeah, I do it every night. I juggle every weekend somewhere on stage in America or around the world. You know, I, I, but I never. I know there's guys out there that can do the eight rings and the nine rings and the seven balls and all that stuff, and it's just so boring to watch. And I'm like, I don't care that you can do seven balls. It's boring. It's and I was on a cruise ship, and I'm performing in the theater. Uh, on a cruise ship and I get off after my show and I'm walking through the cruise and they have a juggler on the cruise. Now, like I said, I'm on the cruise. I'm not billed as a juggler. They got me on as a comedian. So, but I do the juggling magic in my show, you know, so I'll I'll go see this juggler and he's the guy, he has the rings and the balls and the clubs and he's super fancy and he got, got on a circus outfit and
0: people were just looking at him going, okay, then they walk off. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, know? that's not good. And I and I just finished getting a stand ovation in the theater that holds 900 seats,
1: and I was like, I never can juggle as good as that guy. That guy was freaking amazing. What he was doing with those clubs and rings and balls. I I was kind of jealous that I'm not that good. I didn't have the time to practice, or, or the, or, or the um, what should I say, the motivation to practice, maybe, like he had to practice to get that good. Yeah, But me juggling my little meat cleaver bowling ball and Hostess Twinkie. (laughs) Got a that (laughs) ovation, you know. Yeah. That's Um, awesome. At the theater, an hour before I saw this guy boring people out of his mind, out of their minds. You know, people were just watching him walking off. It was really kind of sad and embarrassing, but but he was an amazing skilled juggler. But yeah, it it just takes, um, I don't know why they forget they have to be entertainers also, but like I said, it's something you can't buy. You have to I think it's something that's born inside of you, you know. That you, you have to have some, that natural instinct to be good, you know. Well, I haven't. Jackson had he didn't didn't come from practice. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying he didn't practice, but it's just it's something that you're born with, you know.
0: I haven't seen you do the Twinkie. Did you do the Twinkie because the apple is rough on your teeth? I can imagine doing the bowling ball uh what what else did you have bowling ball chainsaw apple and you bite the apple as it goes around the in the throwing show. that apple into your face i i night after night i'd imagine chip your front tooth <laughs> i love apples uh i love doing the apple bit
1: actually i just put the twinkie in the show to try to a lot of the jugglers a lot of jugglers that do the apple eating i mean a lot of jugglers have juggled over the years and eaten the apple, so I wanted to do something different than what other jugglers are doing. So I put the Twinkie in the show. The problem is, the Twinkie is so messy. Mm. Once you bite it, yeah, and you bite it again, now you got that white cream stuff all over your fingers, and it's you know, and it's on the floor, and it's sticky. So <laughs> now you know you get the stage all sticky with the creamy Twinkie crap all over the place. So yeah, it just got to the point where it was just too messy so i went back to the apple but the twinkie thing was really getting good response it was funny you know and and people just love the fact that you had a bowling ball and a twinkie at the same time going through the air wow. uh, because, of, because of the weight difference you know it was very impressive but it's just it was just too messy i had to, I had to take it out of the show and then, so i'm back to the apple but um uh, i did i actually juggle an apple pie
0: a whole apple pie a meat cleaver and a bowling ball at one point oh my
1: goodness so I, was, I was experimenting with different things to do um and i thought my am experimenting i still ended up with the apple just because it's the least messy thing you know
0: see one of my pet peeves of performing is refills i have tricks in my show where i need refills but now you have to find an apple pie before every show it's a hell of a lot easier to find an apple where were you getting apple pies
1: I go get grocery, hit the grocery store, which I still do. I still got to go buy a bag of apples. Yep. I still have to go get a cucumber because I use cucumber on stage to chop them when I show how sharp my blades are. Yeah. Very sure I got to have cucumber. I got to have apples. I have to have lighter fluid for my fire stuff. um I have a fault machine for my fire eating bit at the end of my show. I do uh, a Michael Jackson fire eating bit. So I got a fault machine. You know, uh, the music starts, and the fog machine, and the glove goes on, and the federo goes on, and all that stuff, so it's a you know, it's a, a theatrical bit, you know? So um, so I, I, I have to load up, I just went to the magic shop and got flash paper the other day, because we keep flash paper on my show, so cause I use a lot of flash paper on stage for uh, for comedy bit that I do. Um, so yeah, it's, I'm in the same boat, in a sense, I'm always reading, uh, not, and I still use mouth coals in my show, so, um,
0: so I always got a load up on the mouth calls, And I don't use the colored ones. Um, just I white. Use the, I used to just the straight white ones yeah. because I work for adults, basically. Yeah,
1: yep. So the the colored ones would be a little corny for the adults, you know. So I use the straight white ones, and they got the the ones that are like they're like sixty feet long, <laughs> and But you right,
0: are right. you're working all over the world. You do comedy clubs all over the country. Yes. You're you're on you know uh, Fox not Fox and Friends but you're on the morning talk shows and different things like that. Do you have a publicist, an agent manager, or do you do it all, or do you have one of each, or how are I you getting one, all that accomplished? Yeah,
1: I have, I have a little bit of everything. Um, I've, uh, I have a public, uh, publisher. Uh, I have a um, manager. I have an agent. Um, as of now, I'm not exclusive with anybody because i uh, you know having a good agent and managers like having a good wife you know they're hard to find but when you get one you keep it right right yeah (laughs) yeah so so, yeah i've been through uh, a couple of divorces here with the wife i mean with the uh, managers and agents so it's it's a crazy industry you know and um you go through things so yeah i'm um but i still get you know my calls from my agent my managers Keeping the shows coming in, keeping me busy, keeping me on the road. I'm just not under exclusive contract with anybody at the moment. Um, but I've been out on tour. I was uh, on tour with Wanda Sykes uh, a few years ago. Did a national tour with Wanda Sykes. Uh, a tour with uh, Gladys Knight uh, not too long ago before the pandemic. I was on tour with Gladys Knight. And uh, speaking of Michael mm-hmm. Jackson, a uh, uh, tour with, with the Jacksons, with the brothers, because they're out on tour right now
0: doing their thing. Wow.
1: Very yeah cool. they're very they're very nice guys too
0: on your website it says that you toured slash performance i didn't know what that meant with sinbad dave Chappelle, martin lawrence andrew dice clay chris rock were you yeah, like those, those are just guys i work with over the years yeah, wow I, that I, I is I so awesome over the years yes yeah, so i've been out with all of them on the road somewhere somewhere on the road i've been out with all, everybody you just mentioned yes that's amazing do you have yeah. a favorite comedy club after all this time
1: I have several favorite comedy clubs uh, my, um, I love um, Vero Beach The Riverside Theater uh, It's called the Comedy Zone in Vero Beach, Florida That's a, one of my favorites My other favorite comedy club is in Florida Also uh, uh Dinner Theater Which is in Port Charlotte Which is great uh, Another one of my favorite venues uh, Is in um comedy club loca- located inside The uh, Power Rock Hotel Casino In um, and Cleveland, Ohio, uh, that's a great club, too, and, uh, Virginia Beach Funny Bone is one of my favorite places to perform, haven't been here in a while, but it's a beautiful club, beautiful venue, um, so I have several, yeah, several places I know when I'm going back to perform there, I was like, oh, I can't wait to get there, because it's a great audience, it's a great venue, beautiful, you know, big stage, I like big stages, you know.
0: See, man, we got, we got one-year-old twins, and we got a 10-year-old daughter, and, um, One of the things my wife and I like to do is go to comedy clubs when we're on a cruise or on vacation. And we just got to wait for them to get a little older. Yeah. It's kind of hard. You can't get a babysitter on vacation. But that was one of our favorite things. Um, Myrtle Beach. Myrtle Beach had a cute club down there. A little tiny club. But they had big names come through. Um I can't think of the name of it right now, though.
1: Neither. I'm there next week. Myrtle Beach, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, man.
0: I'm at, I'm at the. I'm at. It's called. You're probably
1: talking about the club I'm at next week. I'm at the uh, Comedy Cabana. That's
0: yes, it. That's, that's it. it. Yeah, man. That's a that's good fun. club. That's a good club. Yeah, I'm there. I'm there.
1: I'm there uh, look on the website. I'm there next week, uh, 12th through the 16th. The, there's oh, not nice a bad. Enough. There's
0: not a bad seat in that room. It's just a really. It's a really great club. Um, yeah, it's a
1: great place. Yeah, uh, they had me there. They actually gave. Actually had a. Uh, um, had a I'll tell you how they found me. I had a residency in uh, a residency show in Myrtle Beach. It was a family show. I did a family show. I went to a comedy club to perform down there. The other comedy club used to be there called the Carolina Comedy Club, which was a Cabanas, comedy Cabanas competition. So I'm performing there and the owner says, we want to do, we have a family show. The magician that's working for us is a jerk. <laughs> they don't yeah. like you
0: club, know what? I, don't. I think I knew who that is at Myrtle Beach. <laughs> we'll talk <laughs> off the air. So, yeah. So he get they
1: fired him and brought me in to do the the, the the family show. He said, Can you do a family show? Well we've seen your adult show, but can you do a family show? I said, Dude, I started out as a street performer. I can work anybody's audience. So they we did the family show for the summer and it was amazing. We sold out all the shows. The kids let me tell you about kids though, man. You know I've been an adult performer most of my You know, life, performing for adults. There's nothing like entertaining kids, man. It's the best feeling in the world when kids come up to you after a show and they want to hug you and and shake your hand and and just, you know... That's awesome. I mean, it was just awesome, man. It was just amazing to see all these young kids. They want to take your picture and take pictures with all these kids. and It was an amazing summer. So we did 93 shows down there um, at the Carolina Con Club. So in that club... I uh, was having some financial issues and they didn't know if they were going to make it and the owner sold the club. Um, banner people reached out to me. <laughs> and he goes, you mind coming over to our club to do a family show? And I said, yeah. So I go down there and it didn't work out well because they're not, they're fine, they're off the
0: beaten path. A little bit. Club, yeah. But they're not, they don't get a lot of
1: tourists, they don't get the tourist trap that the other club got. So their family show wasn't as popular as the Carolina Comedy Club was because the uh,
0: Carolina Comedy Club was located at this place called Broadway on the Beach, which is like... Huge like rent all, also. Oh, yeah, the rent. That's, that's, the, that's the problem they had yep. was the rent. Yeah. Yep.
1: And that's why they couldn't manage to keep the doors open. The rent was killing them. Uh, so I ended up over at the cabana. The family show didn't work out, but they bring me back every year to... Um, uh, headline the adult shows. And um, I didn't work there last year because of the pandemic. The year before that, the pandemic, and then the year before that, they wanted me to work, but I was in Bahamas for two months performing, and I couldn't do it. So I'm back here for the first time in three years uh, next week.
0: <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. That's a great club. Uh, yeah. I got I got a couple questions for you. Lightning fast. Yeah, sure. We got 15 minutes. I, I just want to go over a couple of your routines. I'm going through, I'm doing homework, studying about you for the sure. podcast here. I'm looking up videos. And yeah, sure. you're on... Um, uh, it was was at the Deaf Comedy Jam. Martin Lawrence introduces you. And, you, yes. uh, and you're and you like, hey, everybody give it up for my good friend Martin Lawrence as you're spraying down the mic and the mic stand with Lysol. And this yeah, was back in 1993, good. pre-pandemic. So freaking funny. The juxtaposition of you telling everybody how good of a friend you are and spraying that mic down. Hilarious. So Thank funny. You. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things.
1: And it's still in the show to this day. Uh, it's been my opener since I was... A- You know, like I said, when I was probably 18 years old somehow, that ended up in my show. And I've just been doing it ever since. And, um, you know, it's just stayed in the show. Now, some of the other young comedians out here, because of the pandemic, are starting to do that bit. Um, And some of them are being told that it's my bit. I've had a couple of veteran comics Hit me up and go, hey man! I saw some young comedian in Philadelphia spreading the mic. And I go, hey, you know what? it's Kevin Lee's bit, right? You know, like that. So uh, they're they're starting to hear it because everybody knows it's my thing. You know, I've been doing it like I said; it's been in my show for thirty years. So everybody and it's and it's been on television. I've done it on TV, on you know national television. So you know, yeah. So it's it's my thing, but it doesn't bother me that people are doing it because you know none of these young comedians are
0: working where I am working. So you know. And yeah, but it's not cool. You don't need to steal anybody's bit, man. No, it's not cool. You're absolutely 100 right. It's not
1: super cool, but um, but yeah, that that's something I did on Martin Lawrence, and um, and it just killed that that crowd because nobody expected. It. At that time, by the way, Martin was the biggest star in the world, right? Yeah, so, yeah. that Comedy Jam. It really blew him up to another level. That show was so iconic, man. And uh, they did the Netflix did the 25th anniversary special. F Pony jam, 25th, 30, uh, 25th anniversary, it's been 25 years or something like that. So that came on last year, and my clip is on there also. So
0: not that particular clip, but a clip from my set is on the show. So Dude, that's awesome. It might yes. be the clip, my favorite, well, it's hard to say favorite clip, because I love that, because the juxtaposition of you saying he's your buddy and you spraying it down, and, and you're looking back at him and you're wiping the mic stand, it's hilarious. But another funny bit on that same special... Was you um, and I don't want to give it away. I want people to go look up Kevin Lee, comedian, deaf comedy jam. You can look it up. You, I want you to see it, but it's uh, you demonstrating your previous job before you got into show business, and it's visual yeah. and it's <laughs> hilarious. I mean, everything about it is just so hilarious, dude. Very you know, funny. That bit just got.
1: I just put that back in the show. Hilarious. It's been out of, been out of the act for years, and um, one of my friends said, "You know." you can recycle that it's a whole new audience out there that didn't see Def Comedy Jam it's a whole new, it's new people out here that never even seen the bit. so put it back in the show so I didn't think about putting it back in the show but Kevin Hart meeting Kevin Hart we all know who he is
0: mm-hmm.
1: he his company LOL Network posted my Def Comedy Jam video on YouTube last year wow so, yes because I didn't my YouTube video or my Def Comedy Jam set is on
0: YouTube I didn't post it Kevin Hart did uh, and it, I think right now it has like maybe 800,000 views yeah that's better than being on a cover if of I a magazine posted,
1: it not have 8 views but Kevin Hart posted it that's <laughs> 800,000 views so
0: well that's yeah. what I was trying to ask I was hinting about that because all of a sudden even with social media your name is blown up and I'm seeing your clips everywhere but it's yes. because Kevin Hart liked you and put your bit out that's awesome dude he put that bid out there yeah so that helped a lot and then I put it then I, took the, then I put it on, um, I put that clip on of me climbing through the window frame. Uh, yep. yep. I put that on,
1: on TikTok, and it had like something like
0: 20,000 hits, and I couldn't
1: believe it. I have like a lot of videos on TikTok, and that
0: one got 20,000 hits. Well, I know so I watched know. it. I watched it twice. I laughed both times, and then I replayed it. I ran it across the house and replayed it, it for my wife. I wanted my wife to see it before I talked to you and before I knew you were going to be on here. <laughs> Showtime at the Apollo, you were on that. Is this yes, the one where they had the bit.
1: my mom hates that
0: bit. <laughs> she doesn't like. it. Well, it's funny. It's funny. What yes, about the showtime at the Apollo? I, that I, thing I'm
1: saying I'm a thief or something. I guess you don't like it, but she, she's gotten over it. Dude, that it's a, a joke.
0: 1991. It's a joke. So, yeah. Showtime at Apollo, um, is this the one where they can boo you off the stage and the sweeper comes and all of that?
1: Yeah, but when I went on Showtime with the Apollo, I was lucky. I went on as a guest. I was already considered a professional. That's just an amateur night thing. Okay, so the all right. thing where they boo you and they come on and sweep you, that's called Showtime with the Apollo Amateur Night, and it's a segment of the show where amateur entertainers come out. to want People who want to be in show business come out, and if they get booed, then that's you say, hey, you probably need to go keep your day job. And if you survive that whole thing then that's sort of an endorsement that hey you're really good you survived the apollo now i was lucky enough to go on as a professional already professional entertainer so uh Sendad, um actually introduced me on apollo brought me out and I, w- I came out and did my thing and the audience loved it and um i also filmed that night i filmed the same night um uh, Here's a funny story. I'll tell it really quickly. The night I feel everybody know who
0: Barry White is, uh, singer Barry White. Sure, you're all. yeah. <laughs> you know, the night I was there, Barry White actually take they did like four shows in one day at the at the at the theater.
1: But it take like four shows in one day, you know? Okay. Because they're not taped live, right? So, uh, I mean, they're not shown live. They're taped episodes. So Barry White was on as a musical guest the night. I mean, the show before
0: me. And the audience was born. <coughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, Simba had
1: to come out and say, hey, you can't boot Barry White. He's a legend. What's wrong you guys? So, they had to redo the whole segment all over again.
0: See? From that that audience scares me, man. And be
1: backstage going, holy crap, they just boot Barry White. I don't stand a chance. You know, like, what the hell? You know, like, what's going on? So, yeah, you're really nervous. You're scared. Even as a professional entertainer, you're still not safe. <laughs> I'll goodness. Booed, unfortunately
0: well if you as me. a magician, if you miss a card on purpose and say, "Is this your card? no, they're booing you, and they're outrageous yelling and screaming, and then you do a trick and it turns into their card. They don't even see the magic happening because they're already in boo mode, and it's
1: yes.
0: over it's over i I couldn't do that one no thank you no, that's a
1: that's a that's a tough crowd man and um it's a tough crowd, but um I, I never endorsed that whole show or that um, that segment. I think it's uh, demeaning. I think it's a credit that I could never use in my resume with much respect because the industry doesn't respect the show. So they don't go, oh, well, Kevin Lee uh, was going to show Timothy Apollo. So, you know, that's yeah. how the industry looks at that show because – all that type of nonsense believe it or not and uh so they hurt you know a lot of entertainers or have been hurt from being on that show or just can't even say hey that's a major credit you know as a comedian magician you you, major credits are important in my industry because when you got national television credits you can ask for more money you know like i was just i was on um nbc's last comic standing was the last tv show i taped uh that was 2016. Uh that show was produced by Wanda Sykes. Um in the year that I did the show, uh the celebrity judges were Roseanne Barr, uh MacDonald, McDonald, wow. uh, who passed away last year, and uh Keenan Wayans uh was one of the judges on that show. So and Wanda Sykes was the second producer of that show. But yeah, uh, I did last Comic Standing on NBC. That was 2016, and I hate these type of shows. I'm not a big fan of America's Got Talent, and I just think entertainers being put in a position where they're being judged is just not,
0: you know. Well, at least Last Comic Standing, you're being judged by other enter- other comedians. You're not being danced by, I mean, judged by Paula Abdul. Or a record producer judging magic. Yeah, that's that, that doesn't even true. make sense. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Simon Cowell has no right to judge a magician. Right. You're absolutely right,
1: because he knows nothing about magic. So yeah, you got a good
0: point there. You make a very good point, yes. Um so a video my wife hasn't seen, I just saw it today. I'm I'm researching today. And you're sitting there casually talking, I think in your kitchen, and you're doing a chop cup routine, which is a for the audience it's a cups and balls, which is one cup, one ball, so the misdirection <laughs> yeah. is right there, and you're picking up a cane and you're you're using that as a magic wand, and I'm like, "What does the dude not have a wand in his house? He's using a cane? It's obviously yeah. a magic cane he's using a cane, and he's not he's not talking about it. he's doing the chop cup routine, and then about your third time you pick up the cane and you're like, "Yeah, uh, my wand's bigger because I'm black." <laughs> And I was like, dude, right when I'm thinking, like, what is? Does he not have a wand? But well, this thing is huge. It's way too big for the table. It's way too big for a chopper. It's because that's you're hilarious. black. It's it's bigger.
1: That's great. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, dude, <laughs> funny like stuff,
0: that, man. man that, that, that the audience is love, man.
1: And um, that's funny, yeah. yeah but that's why I had. That's why. I, yeah, that's why I didn't have the regular wand. <laughs>
0: but dude it's, that's like the juxtaposition of the microphone and spraying it down giving him love and spraying it down you if you'd have just came out with that cane and did that it was the fact that you used it several times and said it was your wand and then oh by the way oh yeah mine's bigger cause that's what made it funny dude it was awesome it was awesome thank you so much
1: thank you
0: you have a yeah. book you have a book on Amazon tell everybody what that book is called
1: oh the book is called Playing With Fire and real quickly is this a book about my life as a road entertainer you know comedian magician juggler been traveling on the road since i was a teenager all over the world um performing professionally um and the book just covers some some uh some some uh, great highlights of being a road entertainer some of the uh negative things uh it's a very interesting book there's some stuff in there you know people if you read the reviews on amazon there are people that say hey i laughed and i cried and I'm a comedian. I don't want people to cry when they read my book. But there's some really deep stuff in the book. Uh, so the book is not all comedy. It's, uh, it's about my life. And I've had a rough life. You know, um, in a sense, some things have happened that, you know, have been bad. And, um, but I have so many great things that have happened in my life. So um, I'm in a good place. You know, I'm blessed to be able to, to do this and, and still be able to do this. And I get paid to do, to play with magic tricks and juggle.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, It's pretty so, awesome.
1: You know, I was I was going through a, not a depression, I was bummed out um about six months ago, about something I'd bummed out. And I was driving uh in my in my area going to uh cook a restaurant to get some takeout food or something, and I see this guy walk up the street and he has these two giant plastic bags on his shoulders with cans. Like he's out there collecting cans. So he can go turn him in to get money. And I said to myself, Wow, you know, it just made me think that
0: I'm complaining when this weekend I'll be in a five star hotel. Yep. You
1: know, yep, yep. On stage, making more money than some people make working forty hours a week, you know, and I'm only on stage for an hour or seventy minutes. <laughs> show to post on my social media and i'm having fun and i'm living the life you know i'm traveling and i'm being paid somebody's paying me to travel to the bahamas you know people save for for a whole year to go to nassau and i'm being paid to go to nassau bahamas so
0: you're doing so, all right man yeah, you're doing so, so good
1: make you just go stop
0: ditching. <laughs> yep so we have like 30 seconds left man it's uh facebook kevin lee comedian is that correct yeah, Kevin
1: Lee Comedian is my fan page, like my regular page I got my five thousand, uh, my five thousand people limits. So I probably can have any new friends, but yeah, if you go to Kevin Lee Comedy Show on Facebook or just pushing comedian Kevin Lee on Facebook, uh, that'll pop up. And Instagram is my my big page. I love Instagram. Uh, that's at Kevin Lee Magic on Instagram. At Kevin, Kev- you guys follow me on Instagram?
0: Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yo, at Kevin Lee
0: Magic on Instagram. All right. Well, hold on 1 second. I have a couple plugs real quick and we'll wrap everything up. Shows are back. We had 7 gigs alone this week. We have lots of private shows, but check us out at the Hyatt Regency Resort in Cambridge, Maryland on April 15th and 16th. That's our only upcoming public gigs we have. Um, our television show, Wes Eisley's Magic Life is in syndication. Check that out and get our merch at com. Nice, Cambridge, Maryland, man. All right, man. I'm Maryland, so. See, you See you next week. See you next week. week. I knew the Maryland. Hey, Check us out online at WesEisley.com and Patreon.com forward slash Wes underscore isley for behind the scenes videos, blooper videos, never before seen footage, discounts on merchandise, magic trick tutorials, and more. That's Wes Isley, spelled W-E-S-I-S-E-L-I.